This podcast is a presentation of Gateway Fellowship, Paulsville, Washington. Experience community, find hope. Check us out at gatewayfellowship.com. Well, good morning. Good morning, good morning. The God who invites. Yeah. Uh, It's nice to be invited to things, isn't it? I would say so. You think so? It is nice. Uh, I, I, I feel good when I'm invited to things. And there was, a, in fact, the time where um, when I was a youth pastor, there was a, a, a senior pastor in another church that um, had invited me to come speak at his church to his youth at an event that was going on. And I was kind of humbled by that. I was pretty, pretty still young as a youth pastor, but um, I think they were just desperate for anybody to come in because they just wanted to have an event. And so they invited me to come and to speak at this event. And I was like, well, sure. I mean, if I was in the same position, I'm trying to have an event and I don't have a youth pastor, it'd be great to be able to have somebody come in. So I said, sure, I'll go ahead and do it. I'd be happy to do it. And so, um, you know, I was kind of laboring over the message and getting it ready for for, for weeks, and then it comes up to the time to speak and go. And of course, um, I ended up showing up a little bit late to the church, and I get into the parking lot, and I go into the building, and I can see stuff's already happening. Worship's already going on. And so I kind of grab my notes and sort of just kind of slink up to the front because I didn't, you know, it felt kind of bad for being late there. And, and I look over, and I can see a, a guy that's further down on the front row. And I thought, well, that must be the pastor. He's the only one that's, that's old here. So must be him. And so I, I kind of go over, and I look at him, and I, I, I kind of give the nod. He, he kind of looks over, gives me the nod. I'm like, okay, good. And so, so worship time ends and, and they go through the whole process of worship and then they have the announcements and, and we're all sitting down and, and then the, the, the pastor comes up and he goes up to start the share. He, he gives the announcements and as he's starting to share, he moves into the, the part where he says, you know, and, and you know, our guest speaker today, it's so good to be able to have him. You know, we've been, been waiting a long time for this event to be able to take place. And, and he's just a great speaker. He has so much that he wants to share. And I know that his heart is for God. And he's just going on and on and on about how great of a speaker is coming up on the stage. And I'm just like, well, this is kind of honoring, kind of flattering that you would say all this about me. I mean... I'm just a young buck. And he goes on, like, it's just going to be, it's going to be great. So prepare your hearts, prepare your minds. It's going to be a great time. And as, as he says, and so can we just give a warm, warm welcome? And, you know, I go to grab my notes to get up and go. And he says, can we give a warm, warm welcome to Pat Lynn as he goes to speak this morning? <laughs> and I start to sit down and, and Pat Lynn stands up and he walks up on the stage and Pat starts to speak. And I'm sitting there going... I ain't Pat Lynn. <laughs> How in the world did I get here for this? And it was like the longest message that I ever sat through in my life trying to figure out what is going on here. Well, um, after the message got over and I went and talked to the pastor, I'm like, hi, I'm, I'm Mario. I, I thought that I was supposed to speak. He's like, oh, well, we had you for next week. Like, ah, ah, check the calendar, Mario, check. But it was nice to be invited, at least. <laughs> It was nice to be invited. Just make sure you come on the right day. We know what it's like to be invited to things, right? And we also know what it's like to be on the other side of not being invited, right? We know what it's like to not be chosen. And maybe for you growing up, it was like being on the sports team and you were always the last one to be picked or not picked at all. That's not a fun spot to be. 
Maybe it's you're in a spot where you haven't been picked as a spouse yet, and that's the thing that really hurts deeply. Or you're picked over for a job. Or we know what it was like, maybe if you remember growing up when you grabbed your lunch and you're trying to walk around from, from lunch table to lunch table trying to figure out, like, what's my spot? Like, where do I fit in? And you just know that you're on the outside of this and nobody's giving you space to be a part. Do you remember those days? Maybe you were always the one that got in. I don't know. But I remember those days. Or maybe it's just whether it's in the lobby or you're, you're out in social circles and you can really tell that, that, that there's a conversation going on and there's a circle that's forming and you know that you're on the outside of that conversation. You know what I'm talking about? That feeling is not a good one to, to experience, is it? That part is not so fun. And the reality is, is that we all experience that at some point. And the thing is, is we might think it's just us, but it's also true for your neighbor. Your neighbor has experienced it. Whoever you're sitting next to, they've experienced it. But the people you live next to have experienced it. The people that you come, walk, that you come across at supermarkets and that you come across when you're walking down the road and that you come across wherever you go, we all have had this experience of being on the outside. That's the world that we live in. And society doesn't really help us much when we find ourselves in those places. We live in this world right now where we have this message that everything just going to hell in a handbasket. And so circle the wagons and make sure you protect your own. Make sure that nobody gets into your world. And as a result, we end up becoming isolated, bitter. And there's this resentment as we say, I am not letting anybody into my space. You see, the reason I bring this up today is because we are in this series called The Gospel Life. And in this series, we are taking time to recognize that we, as followers of Jesus, if you say, I am a follower of Jesus, you have the best message that this world so desperately needs. They need to hear the good news about this God who has come for them. And over this past week, when Tom started off and kicked off the series, he talked about this realm of a God who pursues us. And today we pick up this conversation by looking at this God who not only pursues, but also invites us into his space. You see, this is so vital because if we don't get this aspect of God, then what we end up doing is we end up living our lives in a really small and tiny way. We may have a bunch of stuff, we may have a bunch of experiences, but we can go throughout our entire life. And if we don't get this about God, then we end up missing out on God's purpose and plan that he has for our lives. Our worlds become small and selfish, and we miss the entire point. At least that's the way that these guys would have been described that were hanging out with Jesus. You see, there was a banquet that Jesus was invited to, and he was, it was filled full of, the, full of the religious elites. All the bigwigs were there, people who were filled with money, had all kinds of money, all the people who were religious, the people who had it all together, they were all at the table with Jesus. And so as they were, Jesus took some time to explain to them, to, to challenge them on some really diff some difficult issues. One of them was the issue of Sabbath and wondering, is it right to take care of somebody during the Sabbath or not? He also challenged people on the issue of humility to help them understand that to be humble is actually a better way to live their life. And then in the midst of this conversation, as they're all sitting at the banquet table together, Jesus says these words. He turned to the host, it says, he says, when you put on a luncheon or a banquet, he said, don't invite your friends, brothers, relatives, and rich neighbors, for they will invite you back, and that will be your only reward. Instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Then, 
at the resurrection of the righteous, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. Those are some heavy words. And it's in the midst of that, as Jesus says those words, one of the guy pipes up, oh, how great it will be to be able to be at the banquet at the kingdom of God. It's going to be so good. Now, remember, who was at the table with Jesus? These are the rich people. These were the religious elite, the people who had it all together, the people who had their lives cleaned up, who assumed that because they had all those things figured out, that they were the ones who were blessed, that they would be the ones at the banquet table of God. In fact, I can only imagine the person who said that just assumed that he would be there. I wonder what was going on for Jesus when he heard those words. I wonder what his thoughts were about that person who said that. Was he sad because he knew the condition of the person's heart? Was he angry that a person would even say those words without recognizing his own spiritual condition? What was going on for Jesus when he heard those words? See, we don't know. But what we do know is that Jesus responded. And what he said is, you know what? There was a man who was having a banquet. And he had already sent out invitations before, but now the banquet was ready. And so that man sent out his servant to go and let everybody know the banquet is ready. It's ready for them right now. And so the servant goes out and he goes and says, hey, the banquet's ready. Come on. But, but as he did, he encountered some different people and the things that they had to say. And one of them, as he came up to him, he said, you know what? I'm sorry, I can't make it. I have a field to inspect. So thanks for the invitation, but I can't make it. I've got the field that I've got to take care of. The servant went to another person, and this person said, I'm sorry, I just got these brand new oxen, and I've got to inspect them. I've got to make sure that everything's taken care of with them. And so he goes to another one, and he says, look, I'm sorry, I just got married, and my wife says I can't go. <laughs> I love it. Literally, it says, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. That's literally what the text says. Now, I don't know what that has to say about being married and what changes. I'm just saying that's what the text says. So you can work out the interpretation of that. I love it. I love it. The master was furious, Jesus says. He comes back, the servant does. And when he tells the master all this, the master is furious. And he says, well, then go out into the city and start to reach out to those that, and invite those who are poor, who are crippled, who are lame, and who are blind. Invite them to come. And so the servant goes, and he goes and invites those people. He starts to bring them in into the house. And as he does, he reports back to the master. He says, I found everybody that I could, but there's still more room. And so the master says, well, then go out into the countries, the highways, the byways. Go out into the, the far distant places and invite everybody in that you see that my house may be full. And all the people that you invited at the first, they don't get to come. They don't get to come. This is what the kingdom of God is like. And this is what our God is like. One who not only pursues us, but one who invites us and welcomes us into his presence, into proximity, into relationship, into feasting, into fellowship with him and with others. That's the heart of the God that we serve. And what I want to suggest this morning is this, is that if we can see this God and what he does, 
I want to suggest that this is the very thing that as we recognize he does it, he invites us to live our lives in the same way. We've got to follow suit. And if we're going to, one of the things we have to recognize is that God initiates in the welcoming. And so must we. If we're going to follow suit with what God does, we come to recognize that he's the one who initiates. We see this in the story that Jesus tells. Luke 14, verse 17 says this, When the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to tell the guests, Come, the banquet is ready. God initiates the invitation. He doesn't sit back and hope that people come to him. He's the one that initiates. He is the one who sends out the invitation. And he's been doing this from the very beginning. Think about this. If you are a Bible reader, if you've been around the text, we see this play out. God is the one who initiates by creating this place called Eden. And he invites these people to be in it. Say, come, be with me. I want to welcome you in my presence. Do you get to hang out with me? Later on, we see in the scriptures these people who are in slavery. And God says, I'm preparing a place for you, a promised land for you. And when you get there, I want to welcome you to it. I've got it all set up for you. I can't wait to meet with you there, the land I have in store for you. Jesus, as he's out just ministering to people, going out and initiating conversation, pursuing them, yes. All of a sudden, there were all these kids that wanted to come. But the disciples, they were like, like linebackers or like, like they were just a guard of, of people that were up front, just making sure, like linemen, just making sure nobody got through to Jesus. They were blocking the way. And what we read in the text is this. It says, one day some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could lay his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering Jesus. But Jesus said, let the little children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. And he placed his hands on their heads and he blessed them before he left. You see, God is a God who continues to invite. He says, let them come. Come. I want to welcome them in. I want to bless them. I want them to draw near to me. And we can't help but even look towards the end of the scriptures. And as we do, we look from the beginning, from Genesis, all the way to the end of Revelation. Do you know how the story ends? Do you know how the text ends? In Revelation 22, this is what it says. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let anyone who hears this say, come. Let anyone who is thirsty, come. Let anyone who desires, desires drink freely from the water of life. If you want to know the heartbeat of God, that is his heartbeat. He's a God who pursues, but he's also a God who invites us and says, come. Come as you are. Come just as you are. I want to meet you where you're at. I want to invite you into my world that you can experience and you can drink freely from the water of life. He welcomes us. The question is this. Are we going to follow him in doing the same or will we not? You know, for some of us who might answer, well, yeah, I mean, I do. You know, we do that. And I, I open up my home. I have some friends over. We hang out and do that. And, and you know, we need times of refreshing, don't we? to be able to invite our friends over, to be able to hang out and have those wonderful moments together. 
But our homes and our lives are meant to be so much more. They were meant to reflect the heart and nature of God. And if we're going to lean into that, then we have to recognize that God goes after those that others won't. And if he does that, then so must we. As good as it is to be able to have our friends come over, we've got to invite to something deeper into our lives. Scripture says that the servant returned and told his master what they had said. Jesus in that story said that his master was furious. And he said, go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. After the servant had done this, he reported, there's still room for more. So his master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. That's God's heart for people. He invites not just the people who have it all cleaned up, not just have it all together, but he invites anybody and everybody. This is the hallmark of something called hospitality. Hospitality. It's a practice of receiving a guest or stranger graciously. That's what hospitality is. In the Greek, it's the word xenos, which literally means foreigner or stranger or even an enemy. In the New Testament, one who receives visitors is said to be philoxenos, which means a lover of strangers, which means somebody who's practicing hospitality. I know philoxenos might sound like a disease, but can I suggest this morning that it actually might be a cure for the thing we so desperately need to get over, and that is our own selfishness. Peter says this to the people that he's challenging. He says, Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. In Romans, Paul is writing and he says this, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. And would you say this green part with me? Say it, always be eager to practice hospitality. Hebrews, their author says something similar there. He says, don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this, get this, have entertained angels without even recognizing it. Huh. What would it be like to walk through life and just going through and you're living life and you're practicing hospitality and all of a sudden like, well, that was an angel. Like, how cool would that be? Well, we've got to be in a, a spot where we actually can see that take place by practicing hospitality. Now, I know we've been having this conversation, or at least me, have been, been, been talking to you from a, a place that's like this kind of theological or this 30,000-foot this view of, of when we talk about this idea of, of uh, hospitality. But I love the way that one of these people speaks about what this looks like on a day-to-day basis. What does it look like to put the practice of hospitality in place? There's an excerpt that I want to read to you this morning from a book called The Gospel Comes with a House Key which is written by a woman named Rosaria Butterfield. And she coins this phrase of something called radically ordinary hospitality. Radically ordinary hospitality. It says this, radically ordinary hospitality is this, using your Christian home in a daily way that seeks to make strangers neighbors and neighbors family of God. 
It brings glory to God, serves others, and lives out the gospel in word and deed. If you are prohibited from using your living space in this way, it counts if you support someone in some way, in some way, in some household or in your church that's doing it. The purpose of radically ordinary hospitality is to build, focus, deepen, and strengthen the family of God, pointing others to the Bible-believing local church and being earthly and spiritual good to everyone we know. When our Christian homes are open, we make transparent to a watching world that Christ is doing things in our bodies, our families, and in our world. When we daily gather with the family of God in organic and open and communal ways and invite those who do not yet know Christ to enter, we accompany one another in suffering. We bear one another's burdens. We show a watching world what fervent prayer sounds like, talking to God, knowing that we are, through the merits of Christ, on good terms with him and that our daily needs are God's concern. When our Christian homes are open, our unsaved neighbors watch us struggle with our own sins, both the sins of our doing and the sin nature with which we rage daily combat. Radically ordinary hospitality may resemble the social gospel practices of liberal churches and non-Christian mercy communities, for radically ordinary hospitality engages in some of the same practices. We gather people in close, we feed and clothe the poor, we accept people where they are, we care for the needy of the body, and we seek to restore the dignity of each human being. But here's the difference. Radically ordinary hospitality practiced by biblical Christians view struggling people as image bearers of a holy God, needing faith in Christ alone, belief in Jesus as the rescuer of his people, repentance of sin, and covenant family within his church. Bible-believing Christians do not believe that a shave and a meal will help people in the long run or atone for the sinful nature of us all. You see, a handout is a great place to start. But if we are going to make a difference in this world, we have to go way beyond that. It requires so much more. It requires our time. It requires transparency and a willingness to see our homes not just as safe havens, but as places of hope. You see, sometimes I think we get things backwards when we think that our only way of doing this life is inviting people to this place when God has given us our places. And this is what I love so much about so many of you. I think about the Basque ministry. And I think about the whole concept that we aren't just trying to go to them, but we're inviting people and saying, hey, I'm opening up my home. I'm opening up my space to you so that you can come and live with me for a month and see what life looks like for just a regular old guy like me who happens to be following Jesus. And it's amazing to hear story after story of how a person's life has changed just by hanging out in somebody's home and watching how our messy our place is and seeing how we don't get everything right with our kids and seeing how we get angry, but that we come to a Jesus who still loves us. I love that there are people in our own faith community. I got an email recently right before this series started that said, Mario, I, 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 I'm thinking about uh, starting a group in our home, but our place is so small. Like, is there even a spot for me to even do something? Is it okay for me to do something like that? Because our home is not all that big. 
And I love that. I'm like, absolutely. Absolutely. God has given you your home and you feel the Lord asking you and using to use your home for kingdom purposes. The answer is absolutely yes. There's no size requirement. God has given it to you for a reason, to use it for his kingdom purposes. And so this morning, I just ask a simple question. What would we have to do in our worlds? And what would we have to change in our lifestyle to open up more space that it would resemble more and more the heart of God? I know that that radical, ordinary hospitality might seem like a really big stretch from where you're at right now. I know I read and I go, oh, dear Lord, I've got a whole lot of work to do before I can get there. But what would it mean to just say, God, I'm going to start someplace? I recognize you giving me my home. I recognize you giving me this space to live in. What does it look like for me to change up my world a little bit more to invite some other people into the space? Or again, maybe my home's not situated that way, but what does it look like for me to open up my world to not just be about my own stuff and going throughout my own day, but maybe it's in inviting people into the conversations that I'm having. Maybe instead of keeping my circle so closed that I would simply open it up and provide hospitality. Maybe it means, and I say an ouch to Mario, because it means I need to not just go to the self-checkout line anymore, but engage with people. All of those different ways are opportunities for us to open up our world to people that are so desperately in need. And so this morning, if you don't hear anything else, would you hear the heart of our loving Savior? Would you hear the heart of God who not only pursues, but he invites us in and that we would, we would display God's love to others by welcoming them into our world? That's the invitation this morning that God has in store for us. And so I just wonder for you this morning, where are you at with that? You know, maybe for you, your whole understanding of God has been one in which he's a God who's out there, a God who has no connection with you, a God who doesn't welcome you at all. In fact, maybe that's your understanding of the way that God is and the way that the church is, because the way that you've understood church to be is that it's just for those people who were inside. And if you look different, if you act different, if you have a different way of seeing the world, there's no space for you. Well, what I want to let you know this morning is that we serve a God who invites. And even though we may not get it right all the time about what that's supposed to look like, Jesus does every time. And he opens up space and says, I see where you are. Now come, receive my life and be changed from the inside out. And if you want that this morning, I want you to know that this morning's for you. You have an opportunity to receive Jesus this morning. For some of us in this place, we know that God's dealing with us in our hearts because we know that we're so prone to hold on to our stuff and circle the wagons when God's inviting us to open up space in our life. And as we're being challenged in that, we hear the Spirit speaking and our response is to say, yes, Lord, I choose to say yes to you. And so if that's you this morning, I just invite you as the Spirit calls and he invites you and says, come, would you say yes, Lord Jesus? I respond to you. Let me pray for us. 
Heavenly Father, all across this room and online this morning, we thank you. We thank you that you didn't leave us where we were. But in our sin and in our rebellion and our walking away from you, you continue to call out to us. You pursued us and you invited us into your presence. You invited us into your space. You invited us to draw close to you. And so many have said yes to you, but some here and online, Lord, in a spot where we've never said yes to you. We haven't heard that call until today. But this morning, it's in this moment, as we hear your invitation, we say yes to you, Lord. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior, be my God. I want to say yes. I want to be a part of your family. I want to be a part of your kingdom work. I want to be a part of uh, and be where you are, not where I am, but be where you are. And so I say yes to you this morning. And I say thank you for your invitation. So gracious. And Holy Spirit, I pray for those in this place this morning and online who hear your call in our life. Lord, we, we confess that we have made our lives small. Lord, with all the fear and all the things that are going on in this world, we have circled up the wagons, but we hear you calling us to open up space. And our response in this moment is to say, yes, Lord Jesus. We hear your call to change us from the inside out, to be more and more like you. Lord, I pray courage over this family of God this morning. I pray courage over them that they would live in such a way that we would be on the lookout for those in the highways and byways of life, those who are the crippled, the lame, the blind, that so desperately need your message. Lord, help us have eyes to see, hearts to love, and feet to welcome and walk out to them and invite them into our spaces. It's with that heartbeat, Lord, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, would you stand this morning as we continue this response? Let's take an opportunity to worship him. And if today is the day in which you said yes to Jesus, I want to invite you to do this. Would you just let us know that? The same number that Tom had brought up earlier, this, could you text in the word today to that number? Say, today is the day that I said yes to Jesus. We want to celebrate with you. We want to help you with your next steps. Don't do life alone. We welcome you into the family of God. Amen. Let's worship.
forgiven. Let's be.